This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and logic enthusiast. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, and secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my very favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so... Don't leave too soon, I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough, gonna go a year till you've had enough, it's 365. Today in 1996, IBM's computer Deep Blue became the first computer to win a game of chess against a human chess champion. The champion's name was Gary Kasparov. The game was the first game in a six-game match designed to test the computer against chess champions to see how far the data processing of artificial intelligence had come. The game would go on to change how humans looked at computers forevermore. Let's reverse and figure out how all of this happened. People have been pitting computers against human minds ever since the first computers were created in the 1940s. Artificial intelligence has long fascinated humans, and when it became a reality, people were quick to put it to the test. Chess was one of the early ways that humans envisioned matching computers against brains, because it was so well known as a symbol of the intensity of human logical prowess. Until this 1996 match, the computers had always lost chess against the humans. Therefore, it was hard to imagine a computer ever beating a human, because it simply hadn't been done yet, and computers weren't all powerful and magical machines that we know them to be today. In 1990, IBM hired two newly graduated employees who had worked on chess-playing computers for their graduate school theses. They called the computer Chip Test. They continued the project at IBM and other computer scientists through their knowledge into the project. Together, the group ended up transforming the experiment into what would become known as Deep Blue. Once Deep Blue was ready to play against chess champions, the computer knew 200 million chess positions and could go through each of them in a split second to decide on a move. The computer was six feet tall and weighed almost 3,000 pounds. People were shocked that a hulking machine like that was even considered potentially able to defeat a human genius. The first game on February 10th was one part of a six-game match. The computer won against Kasparov in that first match, proving to be a prediction for how the match would go and how AI would overtake humans in the future in general. Furthermore, the computer beating the champion in this instance followed some very specific rules that were important to professional chess. The conditions were set to be exactly the same as a chess tournament between two humans, and the computer had to follow tight time constraints just like the human. The game began with the Sicilian defense, Alipin variation. If you don't know what that means, don't worry, it's some pretty specific chess terminology. Basically, the Sicilian defense is an opening move wherein white plays first and moves a pawn to e4, and then black responds with moving a pawn to c5. e4 and c5 are different positions on the board, according to the rows and columns. 
In the Alapin variation, White moves a pawn to c3 to begin to position himself in a defensive mode from black offenses. As you can probably tell from just me saying this, each of these moves are super specific and dependent on the other player in a chess game, so for a player to keep all the different variations in mind as they play is a crazy amount of information to store in one's brain. Chess was recently repopularized by media like the show Queen's Gambit, which showed an orphan teenage girl utilizing chess as a way to control aspects of her life while she struggles with drug, alcohol, romance, and coming of age. The global chess community was happy that the show revived public interest in the game, which had declined since the 1980s. The Queen's Gambit refers to an opening move in chess, like the Sicilian defense. In the Gambit, white moves to d4 and black moves to d5, and white responds by moving a pawn to c4. This seems to sacrifice a white pawn, but it actually puts white at an advantage later because black can't regain control of their own pawn. Once again... It's very complicated. Chess has also gained popularity on, you guessed it, Twitch, where players like GM Hikaru, Gotham Chess, and Anna Chess have logged anywhere between 500,000 to nearly 3 million viewer hours in the last few months alone. But let's get back to the match. The computer's win against Kasparov was significant because it meant that artificial intelligence was catching up to human intelligence. Kasparov was considered one of the most logically intelligent people at the time because of his status as a chess champion. The reaction worldwide was mixed. Some people were excited about computers and their potential, others were scared, and some doubted that the computer could have really beat Kasparov at all. At the end of the six-game match, Deep Blue the computer had won two games. Kasparov had won one, and three of the games ended in a draw. Kasparov couldn't believe he'd been beaten by a machine. He argued that the computer must have been secretly controlled by a fellow chess grandmaster. He thought the way that the computer played was too human-like to not be human. This ended up being ironic because in reality, the machine partially won precisely because Kasparov was getting emotional during the games and the computer was not. Humans can be emotional. Computers can't. The computer's lack of emotion helped it win against the frustrated Kasparov, who was befuddled that a large machine could be beating him at his own game. Believe it or not, the chess capabilities exhibited by the Deep Blue computer laid the foundation for later computers that would do such groundbreaking things as creating medicine, financial modeling for the stock market, and tons of different kinds of science. Deep Blue also exhibited the fast data processing that is now present in many aspects of our daily life. Pretty much everything from your iPhone involves the same kind of big data that the chess match pioneered. The match was later mythologized in the documentary Man vs. Machine. Though still primarily known as a chess champion, today Kasparov also works as a writer, activist, and commentator. He was an active competitive chess player from 1984 until 2005 and was ranked number one for 255 months of his career. Today, he still holds records for the most consecutive tournament victories with 15 and most chess Oscars with 11. Since his retirement, he has formed a political movement. The United Civil Front has been active in the other Russia, an anti-Putin organization. He tried to run for Russian president in 2008 but ended up withdrawing, blaming institutional obstruction. He left Russia after mass protests in 2011 that made him fear political persecution and since has lived in Croatia, in New York City, furthering his human rights initiatives. Chess champion turned activist? No, that is an inspiring career. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about music. Today in 2011, Rebecca Black's Friday was uploaded to YouTube and quickly ascended to viral notoriety. And we get to hear all about it from Rebecca herself, who is an incredibly talented musician. I am a huge fan of her songs and so, so excited to have her here on the pod. It is bizarre (laughs) to think that it's been 10 years since Friday first released and It was something that at the time, I even if I knew what was going to happen, I don't know if I would have been able to prepare myself at at that age. Um, I was 13 and just basically creating a video with friends. I had this cool opportunity to get to be in a recording studio for the first time and shoot my own video. And it blew up into the craziest thing. And dealing with so much of the negative feedback that came with it at the time was really intense. And um, it was something that I struggled with for a while, was feeling like it was going to be the only thing that now defined me for the rest of my life. But I'm really grateful to have learned a few things about forgiveness, especially when it comes to your younger self and the choices that you make when you're younger. And uh, I wouldn't be who I am if it weren't for that song and what I experienced with it, even though it won't necessarily define who I am for the rest of my life. And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going to go into my own photo archives and see what I was up to on a February 10th in my life. Oh my goodness, February 10th. So I mentioned this yesterday. I was in Nashville the first time um, in 2020 in February. And February 10th, 2020 was when I worked on Bon Iver for the first time. Um, I worked with Gabe Simon on that song and Amy Wadge, who is another writer. She helped write Shape of You. Uh, she's incredible. Gabe's done work with Dua Lipa. I'm constantly flabbergasted by the level of incredible people that I work with. This was an audio snippet of working in Gabe's studio. It's very faint, but that's what we were doing. And it was raining really hard in Nashville. It was so pretty. I just like remember I take videos of the wind and the rain outside. It was so, so pretty. I really miss sitting in studio spaces and getting to make music with other creative people. It's so fun. Um, nothing compares to it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you can follow at 365 Days MXM Tune on your preferred social media platforms. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon I'm gonna teach you stuff No, it won't be tough Gonna go a year till you've had enough It's three, six,